happy Tuesday. Welcome into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace, being recorded Monday night of October 12th, coming out the 13th of October. Had to end up putting out a Tuesday episode to begin the week instead of Monday. Uh, Just by the time that Sunday Night Football got over, I had to be up early for an all-day kickoff conference call for work. And then obviously I didn't want to release this at the end of the day when I could record, so I thought we might as well save it for after Monday Night Football, release it Tuesday morning. Um, Of course, we still have one game left in Week 5 to be finished up. The Buffalo Bills finally traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans, who have half a roster. Um, I'll give you my, my pick for the end of that game at the end of this episode. Um, today we're, we're just going through every game, every game of week five. Um, I'm going to start including Thursday night football just for a little. I mean, it's so far away that there's not a whole lot to react on at this point. Uh, maybe just major takeaways from these teams. But since, you know, since Teddy and I this past week recorded on a Thursday, we didn't really talk much about the game. Well, we, we just previewed what we thought and we were both um, just terribly wrong about that with the Bears actually getting the win over the Buccaneers. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to go through. Um, speaking of which, you know, Teddy and I had our first, uh, I guess, shaky week gambling-wise. Um, neither of us really doing a whole lot of good. Both of us going 2-1 and one on our best bets of the week, which is always uh, better than 1-2 and two or 0-3. Oh uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, this week's schedule will still be a pod coming out on Wednesday, uh, episode with Teddy will be back on Friday as well as we get um, excited for week six of the NFL season. So let's just go back to that Thursday night game. Uh, start there. We'll work our way through Sunday and we'll finish off with Monday night football and head into the rest of our days. So uh, Bears, uh, Chicago Bears with Nick Foles making his second start as the quarterback this season. Um Coming off of a really disappointing loss to the Indianapolis Colts where that offense really looked um, like it just didn't have any juice to it. Uh, They go out there and they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers whose offense has been humming for weeks now. Um, Really just picked up steam after their week one loss to the Saints. They looked great. This game goes opposite direction of which we thought. You know, Cairo Santos kicks that go-ahead field goal with a minute 13 uh, remaining. Then Brady obviously... Uh, makes a, a a terrible error, thinking that he had one more down left to play. Uh, Buccaneers lose that one, go to three and two. Definitely, uh, you know, not a great look for the Buccaneers. But when you when you can tell that it was, you know, there were a lot of fluky plays in that game, a lot of calls um, that weren't great. You know, the the Patriot or Patriots offense, the Tampa Bay offense was definitely shaky at times. I still think that they are a good team. They'll be a playoff team. Uh, meanwhile, for the Bears, I, like congrats on being four and one. I still think that you're just a uh, you're just not a really good football team. Now, Nick Foles, I think, does give you more of a chance to win this season than Mitchell Trubisky, and of course, the Mitch era seems to be behind us now. Um, it just really depends whether or not Foles can consistently be a guy uh, that that can go out there and put up. Um, you know, a decent amount of stats, keep the game, you know, close and, and have a chance to win it in the end. And, and in this case, he did against a talented Buccaneers defense. Now, they did only have to put up 20 points. It wasn't like a, a shootout that Tampa definitely has potential of doing so at times. Um, a win is a win, especially a win against a, a tough opponent with a, a really good roster, great coaches. So I, I have to give credit to the Bears for being 4-1. and one. 
Um, I'm not a believer. I think you get into those divisional games, even with the Vikings now, who are rolling a little bit more, um, not in the win column, but at least look better than they did to start the season. Of course, the big, bad Green Bay Packers are there as well, too. Um, and, and Chicago and Detroit always play each other tight. I just I think once the schedule opens up to where they're playing their divisional opponents more often, that's where things will start to slip up for them. But, hey, 4-1 star is a 4-1 star. i got to give them some credit there. Moving on to Sunday's games, let's go right to the one that I have to give. I, I have to give a ton of credit to um, the Carolina Panthers going out there and beating the Atlanta Falcons 23-16. to A lot to talk about on both sides of this game. I want to start with the good and Carolina. And heading into this season, I really did love the hiring of Matt Rule. I loved the hiring of Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator. I thought that this coaching staff was going to be terrific. I loved the defensive guys that they took in this draft. Uh, you know, Derek Brown was one of my top 10 players in this class. Jeremy Chin was a top 100 guy for me. I definitely was a little bit lower on him um, than, you know, as he's performed so far this season. They, they've got... I just didn't think that they had the talent. Um, I just thought that the offensive line, uh, I the defense in itself, I thought was going to need a little bit more time. And obviously holding a, an offense like the Falcons to 16 points where they've scored, you know, 30 plus on multiple occasions already this season. Um, it really is a well-coached team. And I got to give a lot of credit to, to Two Glove Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater has looked great in these last three games that they've won um, very impressive. I thought that this team would be towards the top of the draft. It doesn't seem like they're going to be at this. At, um, they're going to be there at this point. Uh, still three and two. Still wins against inconsistent teams at times. Certainly the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, now the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm forgetting the other win. Um, so Carolina, I got to give. I got to give a lot of credit to Teddy. Got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. I thought it was going to work in Carolina. I just didn't think it'd be right away. Um, I thought it would take a year, two or three, once they started getting those younger guys that they draft developed. Um, the the wide receiving trio of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel is terrific. They're young guys too, so they can be around for a while. McCaffrey will be back soon. It's a really exciting Carolina football team, and I think that this does Joe Brady a ton of favors. I'm all aboard the Joe Brady head coach. Um, you know, down the road, I think he easily is going to be a, a hot name by the end of this season, if not by the end of next season. And um, I got to give credit to the Bears. I got to give credit to the Panthers. They won three straight, three and two now. Um, you know, in a tough division with the Saints and, and Buccaneers, they they have a chance to make things interesting. Uh, now to talk about the bad Atlanta. First 0-5 start since I was born in 1997. Um, Dan Quinn out the door. General manager out the door. Arthur Blank is cleaning house. And it seems to be that the clock is now ticking for an individual named Matt Ryan. Uh, not convinced, maybe beyond this season, that he should be in their long-term plans. And as I said weeks ago, that should be the case. If Atlanta is picking at the top of this draft... I love me some Matt Ryan. I think you can trade him and get a decent return. You know, not a whole lot. There's a big contract, and obviously he is an older quarterback. But I think there are some teams in a win-now situation that would love to have Matt Ryan in the door. Um, 
you know, hey, the Indianapolis Colts, I'm going to attach every quarterback that could potentially be on the market to the Indianapolis Colts. They are a terrific team that needs a quarterback uh, that can play at an average or above average level. Matt Ryan can definitely do that. How about the Washington football team? With their situation coming up where there's no, you know, Kyle Allen, there's no uh, real commitment to Dwayne Haskins, um, maybe they want to give it a shot and say, hey, we've got a, a stout front seven, we've got skill players, we've got a coach that wants to win now, let's push the chips forward with Matt Ryan. Uh, if, if the Falcons are picking at the top of this draft or toward the top of this draft, it has to be um, considered to take a quarterback and move on from this Matt Ryan era. It, it just it hits a point where sometimes you just have to hit the reset button. They've done it with the coach and GM. That coach and GM that'll be new at the end of this season will want their guys in the building. And look, Matt Ryan is the franchise's guy. He's one of the most successful quarterbacks in franchise history. But all things come to an end. Uh, if Peyton Manning's era can come to an end in Indianapolis, there is nothing, and Tom Brady's to even end in, in New England, there is nothing that is holding Matt Ryan to the Atlanta Falcons past this season, especially in a quarterback class that has the likes of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. If you're in the top five picks and you're Atlanta and you've got Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, um, you know, an up-and-coming offensive line, of course, a ton of issues defensively, but stuff that can be fixed. You have to begin that new era. You have to move on. Um, there's no guarantee that you're going to ever be able to sniff a top prospect like this. So I'm all in on the Falcons. Kind of just having a rough year, having a rough go of it, hit the reboot at the end of this season. Obviously, maybe if they can turn things around with this new coaching staff, that gives you some different opinions on Matt Ryan in the future there. But I think uh, all signs are pointing towards maybe the beginning of a new era in Atlanta. Let's head over, talk real quick about the Ravens-Bengals games. Ravens take this one easily, 27-3. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 8-1 career record against uh, the AFC North does great in that division. Great. I, I can't wait till they start to, I mean, obviously they took care of the Browns in week one pretty easily. I think the Browns look a lot better now, so maybe that'd be a more interesting matchup, but I am so excited to see how Lamar in this rush attack handles Pittsburgh's defense. We're going to have some really fun games, um, but talking about this one specifically, look, the Bengals are a really bad football team with a, a high potential at quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow is, it, it's still scary to me. It's scary that he gets hit this much. I mean, God, I just, I hope he can get through this season healthy. And I hope that, you know, unlike we've seen with some, some uh, franchises that they just understand, like, this quarterback is so valuable to us. We cannot let him get banged up. We have to invest everything we can into the offensive line. Not only will that help a ton for Joe Burrow, it'll help with the run game. Joe Mixon... Had a very strong game uh, last week, but obviously without uh, without consistent play at the offensive line, he won't be able to get things going. This offense didn't stand a chance against the Baltimore defense, and meanwhile the Ravens had to uh, you know, pick apart long drives against the Bengals. Look, it was a game I didn't have on for the entire time. I had glimpses of it on. I wanted to see Burrow. I wanted to see Lamar. Um, look, the Ravens are a really good football team. I need to see more out of the running backs. I need to see more out of Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. It just is clunky right now. It's not to a point where I feel extremely confident that, you know, compared to last year where they got up early and they could just pound the ball, pound the rock, just run out the clock, hold on to that lead. I don't feel as confident 
in them doing that this year as compared to last year. Still a great football team, still the second best in the AFC probably. Um, I just am a little less confident in the run game this year compared to where I was with them last year. Uh, but they're 4-1. and one. Uh, Bengals moved to 1-3-1. and one. It's just uh, that's a classic good team versus bad team game. How about bad team versus bad team in the AFC South? The Houston Texans, who just moved on from their GM and head coach, uh, was only one person that had to be let go for that to happen. Uh, they get their first win of the season with Bill O'Brien out the door. Romeo Crennel, hats off. Congrats on your win as a head coach for the Texans. Uh, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-14. to um, Houston has just historically uh, always you know, done well against Jacksonville and has won 11 of the last 13 games, including five straight. Uh, look, when the Texans can get Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller both going at the same time, things will be easy for them. I still think this rush attack is awful. Oh, by the way, they traded for David Johnson and gave up a transcendent player at receiver. Do you guys remember when that happened? Um, the Texans just, to me, it's concerning. Look, you're 1-4 now. You beat Jacksonville. You put up 30 points on them. Congratulations. This is going to be tough to turn it around. Uh, but if you want to, you just you got to get that passing game going, and you also got to find ways to to optimize David Johnson's ability because he's there. You have to feed him the rock. Uh, defensively, they're a nightmare. But, hey, Jacksonville uh, looked really good week one against the Colts. I was really down on the Colts' defense after week one, and I was really up on, on the Jaguars' offense, and both have gone complete opposite directions. Colts' defense looks like one of the best in football. Jaguars' offense looks like one of the worst in football. I don't know necessarily. Well, it's not that hard to predict what the future is in Jacksonville. It seems like Doug Marone's time is up. Um, probably the same for a guy in Gardner Minshew, potentially, depending on where they pick. I don't think, you know, if they if they somehow are at a point where they win a few late games in the season and they end up outside of the top three quarterbacks, then fine. You know, I, I keep Gardner around, but I just think that this class has something special to it. So I would say that Jacksonville tries to move on from Gardner, um, but really it all just depends on what's going. I it Just a, a rough game for Jacksonville. Didn't watch a whole lot of it either. Two bad teams playing against each other. Um Texans win it 30-14. to 14. Crucial, crucial game for my wallet. Just ruined about every parlay, teaser, uh, gambling line I had in it. The Kansas City Chiefs lose their first game of the season to the Las Vegas Raiders. 40-32. to 32. Raiders' first win in Arrowhead Stadium since 2012. Uh, look... I am a Derek Carr doubter. I don't believe he has all of the chutzpah to be a franchise quarterback. Something about him as a person just doesn't sit with me for whatever reason. He throws a, a, a really pretty deep ball. Throws a really pretty deep ball. And, and I think John Gruden has really optimized this offense where it's just speed, speed, speed at receiver. And Derek Carr just keep chucking those deep balls. Every so often, one will drop right into the hands of Nelson Aguilar, into the hands of Henry Ruggs. Um, if you work Hunter Renfro across the middle of the field, it's a, it's a thing of beauty of this offense. It really is. Um, and and I, I always say that I would like to see 
a better quarterback than Derek Carr with all of this talent around him, especially now. You know, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is, is, uh, is having a major bounce back season that could potentially save his career. He was um, cast away from Philadelphia and it, he has looked great so far this season. Um, the Raiders offense is extremely exciting. They're fun. They utilize a lot of two tight end sets, a fullback. It's, it's just a mix of everything. Uh, defensively, I think they're atrocious, but they did enough to hold Kansas City to 32 points on Sunday. Um, the Chiefs, to me, I, I think this is just one of those divisional games. You're going to cough one of these up every once in a while. You aren't going to go 16-0. and You know, there are two teams that have finished a regular season perfect. Um, is that right? I don't know. It's late at night. Uh, but the the Chiefs, you're going to lose some of these clunky games. Look, oh, you, you know, the Chargers played them close. The Raiders ended up beating them. I don't have worries about the Chiefs. I do need to see better tackle play still. And on the back end of the defense, obviously, as they were just getting torched all day, safety play definitely needs to improve as well. Um, still, to me, you know, even with the loss, they're still the best team in football to me. It's just one of those games that goes sideways for whatever reason talk real quick about this game that nobody needs to uh you know no one needs to really read into that much the Arizona Cardinals moved to three and two bounce back after two losses to Detroit and Carolina easily take care of Joe Flacco and the New York Jets 30 to 10 Cardinals good way to get things back going the run game finally was a little bit better for Arizona this week I was harping on on the inability of Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds all season um, and it really has hindered the balance of this offense. Kyler has had to do more uh, with the ineffectiveness of Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. They finally got the ground game going a little bit more this week um, and then for the Jets, worst team in football. Um, I'm going to officially say even worse than the New York Giants. We'll talk about that game in a little 10 points against this Cardinals defense where the Lions and the Panthers and teams have been putting up points on this Arizona defense. I get it. It's Joe Flacco. It's not Sam Darnold. It still was bad. Um, I don't I, I don't know why they don't just move on from Gase and try and see if there's something fun in this coaching staff outside of him. Uh, embarrassing loss. It, it, it's an embarrassment in, in New York right now with both teams. Really exciting game in Pennsylvania. Uh, the Battle of Pennsylvania where the Eagles kept things close. They hung around Pittsburgh for the majority of that game. Came very close uh, at the end to uh, getting things out um, and pulling out the win. But the Steelers uh, ended up winning this game, moving to 4-0 on the season. Take it 38-29. to Four-touchdown game for Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Very exciting rookie wide receiver. Um, talk about the Steelers and just always finding good receiving talent. They always do. And and not with, with premium picks. You know, Juju was a second-round guy. Chase, I believe, was a third-round guy. They find these guys. Antonio Brown, super late. You know, the Martavis Bryant project was up and down, but they found him, Deontay Johnson. They just find good receivers. It's crazy how it always happens. Uh, Pittsburgh 4-0 for the first time since 1979. 
here's my thing with Pittsburgh. Bad teams are just hanging around with them for too long. And if it was one week or two weeks, fine, but it seems pretty consistent. The Giants, who are one of the bottom three teams in the NFL, hung around them until the very end, you know, outside of a a Daniel Jones red zone turnover. That's a single possession game, one they could have lost. Um, I'm trying to think week two. Week two, I can't remember who they played now. I know the last two games, I'm just going to pull up the Steelers schedule real quick. The Texans hung around and looked at some of that is Deshaun Watson being Deshaun Watson, but the Texans are a really bad team, um, and I was surprised that they were able to hang around them so long. That was only a one-possession game. It was the Broncos. It was. I wanted to make sure. I didn't. I wasn't sure. I was getting the Broncos. They've hung around with Tampa and Pittsburgh this season. Pittsburgh obviously a little bit longer. Jeff Driscoll in that game was driving down uh, at the end of the game to win it against Pittsburgh. And then the Eagles, who have just been a, a laughing stock, they do beat the 49ers on Sunday Night Football, but that was an ugly, ugly win that didn't you know, give me any confidence in Philadelphia. And then they hang around Pittsburgh until the very end of the game. I take a look at the first four games of this schedule. I see Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles, all very bad teams that all had a chance to win this game. And so I'm, I'm sitting here and I say, yeah, the front seven looks great. Yeah, the defense as a whole is very good, but why are these bad teams just continuing to hang around them? And, you know, the next three weeks, they've got the Browns, Titans, and Ravens. Those That could very easily be three losses. I'm just not a believer of the Steelers yet. I'm not. They just win ugly and so far have faced four really bad teams. I'm just I'm I'm not on Pittsburgh this year. Big Ben has been very inconsistent in the deep ball game, which everybody used to think was his uh, was his strong suit. It's obviously not now. If you are one for Twitter gold, just go head over to Mina Kimes' Twitter. She just roasted a guy for saying that Big Ben is great at throwing deep balls. I just Mina Kimes is one of the best sports uh, sports journalists out there. She's she's amazing. Um, I'm just not in on Pittsburgh. I'm not. It's the offense to me. It's the inconsistency in the run game. I do love the receiver talent, as I was saying. I just think something's off here. I don't think that they are going to be that. I don't think we're going to be looking at them a month from now and saying, oh, they're just as good as we thought they were one month through. I think that they are just, they're getting some lucky schedule draws right now these first four weeks. Um, it's played really heavily into their favor. Obviously, they had the extra week off with that game that got pushed back with the Titans. I'm just out on them. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Obviously, we'll learn a lot more about them in the next three weeks, but I think people are people are trying to hype them up a little too much right now. They've, they've just beaten bad teams. Philadelphia, I don't have a ton to say. Um... I, I really don't. I think that you are a bad football team. I think, oh, here's here's my main takeaway from this game. There was a lot of talk about Carson Wentz not being a franchise quarterback. And I had I, I brought this conversation up maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, that the turnovers were extremely high. It wasn't looking great. These last two wins have shown that it still is just a personnel problem. I think the way that he's been able to 
you know, gut out that win against San Francisco and then also keep things close with the Pittsburgh defense. I, I think that it's more still of the same problems where it's a really banged up team. There's no receiver talent. The offensive line is inconsistent and that makes the run game inconsistent. So that's where I'm at with Carson Wentz. Still think he's talented. He's definitely not as good as he once was back in, you know, the, the 2017 or 2018 season. I can't remember, but um, I still think he is a franchise caliber quarterback. Another game we don't need to talk a whole lot about the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, moved to 4-1, and one, taking down the Washington football team 30-10. to 10. Uh, Daryl Henderson with two touchdowns in that game. Um, bounce back win, uh, I say bounce back win after a win from the week before, but after a uh, too close of a game against the New York Giants, they, they really um, were able to put up points on the Washington football team, uh, eight team sacks defensively, the, Aaron Donald had four of them, um, look, the Washington offensive line was really banged up, they had to go through two different quarterbacks in that game, one of which uh, hasn't played in, in quite some time since a horrific Lower leg injury and Alex Smith. Um, it was just one of those games where, like I said, a really good football team against a really bad football team. The Rams, to me, legit, legit contenders in the NFC. The more that they continue to impress me on both sides of the football and the more that the Seahawks continue to disappoint me on defense, the more I'm starting to think, wait, we still need to be talking about the Rams probably being the top team in the NFC West right now. I'm not fully there yet because Russ really does give you that advantage. Um, but, you know, I don't know how soon we get to see those two teams play against each other, but I expect the Rams to really give Seattle a tough time. Um, they take care of Washington easily. Washington get through the season with Kyle Allen or Alex Smith. Uh and then draft a quarterback at the top. Do it all over again. Move on from Dwayne Haskins. Um, it seems pretty clear he is not in the long-term plans for Washington. Other, uh, other pretty quick game to talk about. The Miami Dolphins just destroyed the San Francisco 49ers. 43-17. Uh, Both teams now 2-3. and three. This is the one or two games a season we get from Ryan Fitzpatrick where he just goes apeshit. Um, he, entering this week, was the only quarterback in the league to have multiple games this season with no touchdowns and multiple interceptions. Uh, he just, I mean, that offense was torching the 49ers defense. Jimmy Garoppolo got benched in the second half as a coaching decision. He also looked, he, he was really bad. I get that he's still a little wobbled, but he just didn't look good. This is just, uh, this is kind of like what we saw with the Rams last year. Both these teams make it to the Super Bowl. Injuries, quarterback concern, uh, just, you know, too much to overcome that goes against them. You know, the Rams, they came in fresh off the Super Bowl. The offensive line wasn't good. The defense took a step back. And, and the run game was really bad. And it was like, okay, the Rams, they're this problem. They fix those things in the offseason. They're still the Rams. They're still, you know, Sean McVay is still a good head coach. The 49ers, this is just going to be that season where you're just not going to have it. You, you just aren't going to have the consistent quarterback play. The offensive line is not going to look well. You have too many injuries on defense. The offensive line also affects the success of the run game. It's just going to be a down year for the 49ers. They'll have, you know, maybe a, a pick in the early teens, uh, maybe in the late teens if they can pull out some wins at the end of the season. 
and then they'll be back next year as a really good football team. This is just this is going to be a toss-away year for Kyle Shanahan. Game of the week, uh, you know, it, it just in terms of talent and, and matchups, uh, the Cleveland Browns moved to four and one on the season with a thirty-two to twenty-three win over the Indianapolis Colts, who fall to three and two. I want to talk about the Browns first. <clears throat> First 4-1 start since 1994 when Bill Belichick was the head coach, when Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator. Always fun to to think about those days, um, obviously before my time. But uh, nonetheless, the Browns 4-1. To me, they're the second best team in the AFC North. Um, I will predict today and through the rest of this week a Browns victory against the Steelers uh, this upcoming week. I'm not overly impressed with the back end of the defense, obviously. The safeties are injured. The corners are injured. Really, right now, they just haven't had a lot of time to be on, you know, playing together as the starting unit to where I feel comfortable with them. It's a lot of moving pieces right now, but the uh, front line, Miles Garrett is having, you know, what is the beginning of an unprecedented season at that position, just in terms of pressures, um, sacks. He has been phenomenal. Uh, Olivier Vernon returned this past week, and it just made the opposite side of that line even more of a threat. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the best front fours in football. Linebackers are solid and young, so they're only going to get better. And like I said, the secondary just has to get healthy. They have to play together. They have to feel each other out as a unit on that back end. It's going to take some time. Really good front seven. Um, and then on the, on the offensive side of things, look, you know, they, they have a, a good ground game. It, they weren't able to do a ton this past week because obviously the Colts have a terrific front seven. Um, but they were able to put up enough points to, to you know, get an early lead to get ahead of the Colts. And then they forced the ball into Phillip Rivers' hands more than it should have been. And now to switch over to talk about Phil, um, there's a lot. Colts Twitter is on fire today. Oh, my God. It's time for Jacoby Brissett. Let's pump the breaks. We aren't getting anything we didn't expect out of Philip Rivers this year. When Philip Rivers became the, the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, we all took a look at the last few years with him. We said, hey, you know, we're, we're a better offensive line. We're a better run game. He's going to not have to do as much. But if he does have to do as much, we know that that is not going to work. We need to get we need to take a lead in the halftime. We need to take a lead in the fourth quarter. And we need to say, Phil, do not lose us this game. Run the ball. Be smart with the football. Let our defense do the job. Let our offensive line hold you up. And we'll coast to a, you know however many wins they'll get this season. But when you have him enter the second half and enter the fourth quarter with a deficit, he puts on his Superman cape and he does too much. Uh, he had some, you know, forced throws. He had, you know, a bad interception on an out route. We, the Colts are at this position. You know, they didn't go and get a quarterback that was a, you know, a guy that is a game changer that can be, you know, what Andrew Luck was or Peyton Manning was. And yes, those are big asks to find. So I'm not saying, you know, shame on them for not finding it. It's tough to find those guys. It's nearly impossible to find those guys. Um, but. You know, they brought in Phil because of familiarity with the offense, and they thought that he still had some left in the tank, and I think he does. But this team wins football games by 
early leads, protecting the game late in the second half by running the football, and then doing well defensively. And then on Sunday, they just they weren't in that situation. They didn't have a lead in the second half. And Phil had to do too much, and it went against them. You know, we've seen it now in both of their losses to the Jaguars and the Browns. What's the common theme? They were trailing in the second half. They asked Phil to do too much. He is not that. He is what we are getting, you know, out of Peyton Manning in his last year at Denver. He is what we are, you know, potentially getting with with Drew Brees this year in New Orleans. Let the defense do its job. Let the run game carry you, and and hopefully you get out to an early lead that you can protect. But if you're in a deficit, it's just not going to work. That's where the Colts are at this season. You know, hopefully, you know, after this year, they can find a quarterback that can be a guy that can, you know, come back from deficits. But that's just not this team. It won't be. And then outside of outside of Phil, uh, look, the offensive line needs to play better. Uh, Quentin Nelson having a, a down year. It's okay to acknowledge. Hasn't looked as sharp. Has a few more uh, penalties being called on him than he usually does. Just hasn't looked sharp. T.Y. Hilton, rough year. Rough year so far. Uh, his future in Indianapolis beyond this year uh, as he becomes a free agent, definitely something we have to question. Um, and he said he was a Colt for life, and he said if he didn't get an extension, he would probably retire. So really have to keep a close eye on that as he finishes out the year. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, other stuff offensively. Look, Frank Reich hasn't necessarily called uh, a great game yet this season. He does really well in the first quarter. Beyond that, it is shaky. Um, and then defensively, this defense is phenomenal. It's so good. And, and it's missing, you know, two starting linebackers, one of which is the best defensive player in Darius Leonard. Um, Chris Ballard found another gem in the middle of the rounds with Julian Blackman. He has been terrific. Um, picked up his first career interception. Look, the, the, or no, I think that was, uh, no, that was Bobby Okariki that got the interception. Chris Ballard just finds these defensive guys in the middle rounds that do well. This defense is great. And like I said at the beginning, it can carry them to wins, but you gotta have a lead in the second half. You have to. All right, spend too much time on that game. Let's finish things out. We got three games left, and then I'll give you just a quick breakdown of uh, Tuesday night football between the Bills and Titans. Giants, Cowboys, just the the most terrific thing that can happen in football uh, to just an absolutely amazing human being. Dak Prescott is, is one of the more, more positive faces, the more loved faces in football. Um and just a horrific injury in such an important point in his career, you know, financially speaking, with, you know, playing on the franchise tag, knowing that, you know, a great season locks him up to millions and millions of dollars, uh, which I still think he would be able to earn just based off of what we've seen from him so far in his career. But just a devastating injury um, to him. It's just, it's heartbreaking. You saw how much this team loves him. You saw how much he loved his teammates. He felt as though he was letting them down. You could tell on his face, uh, which he wasn't. It's just, it's 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 brutal when things like this happen. And to such a good guy who's been through so much in his life, you know, even in the last 12 months. Um, just, it just hurts. Uh, the game itself. Look, the Cowboys 
Can they still win this division with Andy Dalton? Probably. That offense still is the best unit. You know, outside of Washington's defense, if you're just looking sides of the football, Dallas has the best offense in the division by far. Um, But here's what we have to consider. The Giants, you know, entering this game, I think it scored 16 points at most this season. It was 16 points or less through the first four weeks. Uh, against Dallas, they were able to put up 34. The Cowboys have the worst defense in football. It keeps getting banged up. The injuries on the front seven are ridiculous. They lost important players in the secondary and free agency. It's the worst defense. Uh, it's, it's awful. The Giants couldn't move the ball on anybody for a month. They had three touchdowns through a month of football, and they put up 34 points on the Cowboys' defense. Um, just an awful, awful showing uh, defensively for the Cowboys. Um, offensively, look, still able to put up 37 points, so they get the win. They move to 2-3. and three. Like I said, they're still able to win this division because of this offense, but man, oh man, is that defense atrocious. Sunday Night Football, really fun game. I was... All over the Vikings plus seven in this one. Just taking a look at where the teams were trending. It was clear Minnesota had found its groove a little bit in the two previous weeks. Uh, You know, a close game with the Tennessee Titans in which they almost won. Then they get their first win of the season against Houston. You could tell offensively, especially, they were starting to figure things out. Meanwhile, Seattle, extremely hot start to the season. But then a clunky win against Miami. The defense was getting torched by everybody this season. Uh, Very close game. Vikings couldn't hold on to it in the end. Uh, That's just the greatness of Russell Wilson. And this Seahawks team will go as far as he can take them. The only problem is when other teams are able to put up points with you, it's not going to go well. When the Packers have Aaron Rodgers going back and forth with with whatever Russell Wilson can do and hey the Packers defense is no joke. You know, I I sorry, I give the advantage to the Packers. I think I've convinced myself in the time recording this podcast that I would take the Rams over the Seahawks. This Rams offense, it, the way it's designed it is so specific and detailed and could really just dice up the Seattle defense that Hey, maybe Russ can't keep up, especially if Aaron Donald is having a field day in the middle of that offensive line. You know, I just, I have my questions about Seattle. It's very concerning uh, defensively. They're 5-0, first time in franchise history, but I just kind of like the Steelers. They just, uh, on the opposite, one side of the ball, it's terrific. The, uh, the other side, it is a detriment to the team's success. Um... I'm worried. I'm worried that Russ can't do this until February. He can't. He can't keep this up until February. And if he does, it, it, it'll go down as one of the best seasons from a quarterback in NFL history. It, it's I just... I don't know. I, I just I, I can't really buy into the Seahawks right now. And meanwhile, the, the Minnesota Vikings, bad team... Starting to figure things out a little bit, figuring out who they are as an offense now, especially, you know, you move on from a guy like Diggs. You got to figure out what does your offense look like. Justin Jefferson is figuring things out. Um, They just, they, you know, obviously were half a yard short of converting that fourth down. and, And we aren't even talking about it like this because we give Seattle their first loss of the season. 
But a very, very fun game on Sunday Night Football. Definitely, definitely a fun matchup. And then, I mean, God, is there anything more fun than watching, than watching Russell Wilson with the ball in his hands with a couple minutes left trailing? Like, it, it's just, it's one of the best things in football to watch. It's, it's when, whether it's Russ or it's Rodgers, or it's Mahomes, it's just, it, it's, it's so exciting to watch. Uh, Seahawks pull out another close one, 27-26 over Minnesota. And, uh, hey, just finished watching Sunday night fo- or Monday Night Football, excuse me, between the New Orleans Saints and the L.A. Chargers. Saints, hold on, come back, storm back, uh, win this thing in overtime. Mike Williams just inches short of converting the fourth down, which would have kept that Chargers drive alive. Saints win it 30-27. to Move to 3-2. and The Saints... Look, the defense is, is scary. The defense is scary. That secondary is, is rough. It's a bad Chargers offensive line. There wasn't a ton of pressure on Herbert for most of the day. Um, and even when he was rolling out of the pocket, he was having some success out there as well, too. This defense, it, look, it's, it's, they, to me, they missed their peak. Their peak was two seasons ago, even a little bit of last season. Two seasons and three seasons ago, they missed out on their defensive peak to me. Um, and, and look, their offensive peak with Drew Brees is past them as well, too. Uh, the Taysom Hill experience I don't love. It works sometimes, but also you're just you're just playing it up to chance uh, when you put him out on the football field. I think the Saints team is a playoff team. I do not think that they are legitimate title contenders. Um, I would say that they are maybe if I'm going through teams in the NFC, I would put them behind the likes of the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, um, the Los Angeles Rams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would put the Saints at five right now. As I said, I know they, they faced off week one. I know that the Saints got the better end of them. I think since week one, the Buccaneers have been trending up and the Saints have been trending down. Um, still, obviously, without Mike Evans, an impressive win nonetheless. And then for the Chargers, look, uh, I guess I guess Justin Herbert needs to become accustomed to the, to the Los Angeles way of doing everything you can to, to put your team in a position to win. And then for some reason, uh, whether it be defense or a dumb penalty or poor clock management, or in this case, a missed field goal as time expired, doinked off the side post, um, you got to, this is just a, it's such a tough loss for a kid like Justin Herbert. He played out of this world tonight. He was tremendous, tremendous with no Keenan Allen after that first drive with no Austin Eckler. Missing, I think, two or three starting offensive linemen. He was terrific. This dude is a stud. Go back to my 2020 NFL Draft podcast. I said he was 1B in this quarterback class to Joe Burrow. I had a 1A, 1B situation. This dude is legit. He's doing really well without a whole lot going in his favor right now. Obviously, yes, you want wins, and he's not getting them. They are 1-4, but... You can't say that it's because of him. He's been tremendous. And finally, the, the entire country got to see it tonight. Uh, I, was, I was very happy. Um, obviously not happy because I took the Chiefs or the Chargers money line plus 280 yesterday. So obviously I don't love that. Um, I was all over the Chargers this week. I took them plus eight. 
Um, started Herbert and uh, Mike Williams in fantasy, a bunch of leagues. That's just um, that's a game they should have won. Look, when we take a look at the end of the year and we say the Saints record, there are some games in here that they should not have won. And if we, we shouldn't be shocked if we say, oh, well, the Saints were 11-5, and five, won the division, but they lost wild card weekend to the Los Angeles Rams, who were 10-6 and six maybe. You know, like the, the Saints are going to win games. They're going to win this division, but they're not a legitimate Super Bowl threat in my eyes. They aren't. Uh, last thing we'll do before we wrap up here, Monday night or Tuesday night football preview, Titans, Bills, Look, Tennessee hasn't been able to practice. Uh, they haven't, you know, they, they are missing half the roster. The Bills, meanwhile, are one of the hottest teams in football. They've got things rolling. I expect a big Bills win. I expect their offense to look great. Look, the, the, the Titans were an iffy 3-0 team to start with some questionable close wins over bad teams like Jacksonville and Minnesota and, and Denver Week 1 as well, too. Um, while they were still dealing with injuries, so this is not a legit 3-0 team to me. Um, now, without half their roster, uh, haven't really been practicing, and then a legit, legit team coming into their town, I don't think it's going to work out for them. I'm predicting a Bills win. Uh, if we're looking for a score, I will say it will be 31-17 Buffalo. Um, and that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you guys so much for listening um, to kind of my reactions around the league from week five of the NFL season. We'll be back tomorrow doing a different week this week instead of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, doing a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday tomorrow, uh, talking some bigger topics around the league. Teddy will be joining us back on Friday uh, with the Chargers officially covering plus eight. He is still yet to beat me in a week of these picks. Maybe he'll get one eventually, but hey, we're still rolling. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it with your friends. Uh, follow me over on Twitter for all my work at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, keep spreading the love. I appreciate it, guys, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>